Hello, everyone. Welcome to the happiest pod on earth. I'm Steph. I'm an educator who uses passions and fandoms to help my students grow and learn about themselves and the world around them. And I'm Ariel. I'm a licensed therapist who uses clients' passions and fandoms to help them grow and heal from trauma and mental unwellness. Here at Happiest Pod, we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens. Why? Because we are more than just fans. We expect more from the mediums we consume. So, what Disney experience are we dissecting today, Steph? So it's definitely an experience, and it's an experience that's kind of very specific if you live in Los Angeles. I had the pleasure of actually being Ariel's date um, to the Walt Disney Animation concert at the Hollywood Bowl. It's called Walt Disney Animation Studios The Concert. Mm -hmm. I thought that this was just, you know, a one-off Disney event, but of course, why did I forget that it was Disney's 100th anniversary? So they've (laughs) been celebrating all year since last September or August. And of course, this is one of those promo events. Um, Part of, of course, you know, they have concert series and everything like that, but This was very Disney 100 forward, which was great. Just to give you a little bit of background, the LA Philharmonic is the resident at the Hollywood Bowl for the summertime. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm, hold lots mm -hmm. of different concerts, uh, classical music concerts, um, pop music concerts, reggae concerts, hip hop concerts. But the LA Philharmonic, they do their schedule there. And during the winter, they go to the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Even though they're at the Walt Disney Concert Hall, they don't specifically do Disney things. It just happens to be that (laughs) way. But I thought that it was really interesting that we went to a Disney concert, not at the Disney Hall, but at the Hollywood Bowl. You know? (laughs) Fun times. It covered a wide range of just Disney animation movies so we didn't see any live action movies we didn't go into star wars we didn't go into marvel this was strictly old school animation and a lot of people were really excited for that right yes yes i was definitely excited originally i had bought the tickets as a package deal with my partner and another couple as a way to go on a couple's date given the uh, sag after strikes going on right now my partner is not working because he works in transportation and he's a $3.99. So they aren't striking, but they aren't crossing any picket lines in solidarity. And uh, he found a job uh, and he had to take the job in order to, you know, make any money. <laughs> make a living. <laughs> make a living. Uh, and the job doesn't, again, cross the picket line, um, but it did involve him going all the way to Texas and being gone for like a whole month. And as a result, I needed to find a new date. So, of course, I asked Steph. And Thank then you. our friend Liz. Uh, and her husband, Benji, he was like, well, if, you know, her partner isn't going and you have a friend coming out of town, her name's Dawn, how about you make it a girl's day? So we all four of us went uh, and saw Disney animation and even dressed up. Yes, we did. We all tried. Well, me, I tried to Disney Bound. They had their wonderful Disney Bound outfits <laughs> planned out because Ariel had bought these tickets months in advance. So Ariel, if you want to go first, because mine was very last minute. <laughs> So I had bought a dress um, uh, that uh, had a purple scallop top and uh, a very uh, green, um, light green bottom. So, you know, Ariel the Mermaid um, and a long dress covered my feet uh, and uh, halter top, so no straps. Uh, And the, the scallop shape did look very much like the seashells. And that's that's what I wore. Yeah, Yeah, it was beautiful. I loved it. And it was such a steal, right? You didn't even spend a lot of money on it. No, it was like 
you know, talk about fast fashion. It was about six or seven bucks. So I figured even if it's not like that cute, maybe I can like put pins on it or I could put like a cardigan, like maybe I can make it look better than $7. And it did not look like $7. Oh, not at all. The quality was actually really good. And it was perfect. Disney about the shade, the hue, all of it was perfect. She didn't even have to do anything. She just had to let her hair go. And boom, Ariel was Ariel. <laughs> Yeah, and so Liz, she and her friend Dawn, they both dressed up. They both did Disney bounds as well. Um, Liz reprised her Jasmine Disney bound, which she wore to Dapper Day, I believe, right? Yes, and if you listen to our Dapper Day episode, um, we described it in, in great detail. Uh, it's down to the point of uh, the dyes that she used for her gloves. In this case, she didn't wear the gloves, um, but she did bring um, a boo <laughs> along with um, her uh, genie backpack, her genie lounge fly backpack. Yes, yes. And then Dawn, she was lucky enough that Liz put together a Disney pound for her. And um, <laughs> yeah. she was Mulan with the pinks and the red and the blue um, color blocking. And for me, I was sifting through my closet because I had nothing to wear. And I ended up wearing these black jogger kind of loose pants my doc martin sandals and like a green olive green top and i was peeing i ended up just tying my hair up in a bun and i remember seeing somebody disney bound as ping and i was like i can absolutely do that and so we had a mulan and we had a ping which was pretty cool yes and uh, in case you you've forgotten remember that ping is uh, mulan's uh, alter ego in the army <laughs> yes her alter male ego, ego. <laughs> <laughs> so i was her alter male ego while mulan was mulan um and it all worked out i think it was really fun seeing a lot of people Disney bound for the event, a lot of little kids dressing up in their Disney princess and prince outfits. I actually didn't think that we were going to see that many, but then even just getting onto the bus to get to the Hollywood Bowl, we saw people Disney bounding and it was great. Or wearing at least um, beautiful dresses with Disney print. I saw a mm -hmm. lot of that. Um, uh, Fantasia with um, Sorcerer Mickey being like a very common print I, I remember seeing. And then lots of as the evening went on and got darker flower crowns and like wands that lit up like yeah. little sparkly star wands i did see a lot of disney ears which was cool i think at the hollywood bowl it's totally appropriate to wear something like that because it is a bowl it is looking down so even if you wear ears you're not going to be blocking anybody's view um so at the very least people were wearing ears or even just things that they would wear to the parks i feel yes yes uh, I, I think I saw some people carrying their own popcorn buckets, like Disney popcorn buckets that they collect. So certainly a, a crowd of uh, Disney aficionados. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even on the bus ride there, um, we just kind of felt like we were on the tram ride. Uh, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it did feel like we were on the It's just tram a bunch ride. of Disney adults going to a concert. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely felt like right at home um, for us. We There's a couple ways to get to the Hollywood Bowl. If you ever want to do anything like this, you could definitely drive there um, when you park. Um, just kind of know that it's stacked parking. So once you park in there, you can't get out until the person behind you gets out. Um, but 
because we live kind of close to the venue, we take a bus, um, we park and ride basically, and you can either park on the street or you can park in one of their parking lots, which is also stack parking, and you can um, get to the bowl that way through their bus, or you could take public transportation. It drops in the middle of Hollywood and you have to take a little quick hike. So if you people want to experience hiking in LA, but also want to go to the bowl, that's your chance to do it. <laughs> Won't guarantee that you'll look cute at the top, but you'll get there. <laughs> We did. We did take the bus and it dropped us up uh, at the top. We got to also pack and bring our own food Um, with the Hollywood Bowl. If it is a non-leased event, which usually means if it's not a big uh, celebrity concert, like like I think the Lumineers are coming to play at some point. You can't bring your own alcohol or food. (laughs) Uh, And so um, with uh, this event, you get to bring your own alcohol and food. And so we packed a picnic for um, us four. We we split it up. Steph and I brought the food and uh, Liz and Don brought the drinks. And also um, in planning to bring the food, you can even, you can either do what we did and that's when we planned it, we packed it and we ate it at our seats or you can get there really early and basically do like a tailgate situation, which many, many people do where you can drink your wine and have your beer and all your snacks and stuff outside of the bowl before you go in. Um, but we decided to just bring everything inside because we didn't have time to be there all day. Well, and there are restaurants nearby that you can actually order packaged meals that are called like Hollywood Bowl picnic baskets. Um, so if you have a sort of like favorite bougie place, see if they if they have a, a meal pack that you can pick up that that's also an option as well or if you just don't want to plan any of that you could buy it all there but you are going to be spending a lot of money because they overcharge everything there Um, so we had a couple days to prepare for this so i headed on over to our beloved whole foods um to get some fruits some cheeses some uh charcuterie type things basically a charcuterie on wheels is what i was going for um so we had crackers we have different types of cheeses um i had grapes, uh, blueberries, raspberries. And the great thing about Whole Foods is that you can get all of these things already packaged for you. And then you just have to put them in your cooler. Um, Ariel has a nifty little cooler and picnic basket that includes paper, not paper plates, plastic plates and um, silverware. And yeah, it's just basically super convenient. Um, Everything locks inside. So I think you can get, I don't, did you get yours at Amazon? Yep, I got mine on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, basically, we lugged everything there because our friends were going to bring the drinks. And um, we didn't really pack too, too crazy. I know some people do cooler backpacks. Some people bring like an actual cooler. Um, but knowing that it is sort of a steep hill to go up there, you've got to be mindful of what you're carrying because know that it will be on you until you sit down at your actual seat. <laughs> yep. And then uh, I had packed some pocky. I had packed crackers to go with the cheeses, um, some dried fruit, trail mix. Um, and then we had a last minute uh, contribution from your mom. Yes, that's right. She made turon, which is very, basically um, Filipino sweet lumpia. Um, it doesn't have any meat in it. It's um, sabah, which is a type of banana. It's a sweet banana that um, is rolled in sugar and then wrapped just like lumpia or egg rolls. And she made a ton, uh, just coincidentally, before we left. And so we grabbed like 20 of those suckers and put them in our bag. <laughs> Ate some on the bus. <laughs> Ate some on the bus. Um, really great dessert or appetizer. 
<laughs> yes. And then um, Liz and Don, uh, they brought, uh, was it red wine or white wine? They brought red wine and also ginger ale, some um, sparkling water. And um, I think I'm, I don't even think we had regular water. I just drank the ginger ale because I was so thirsty. And um, me and Liz just destroyed that bottle of wine. So it was great. Having your own food there, um, you can eat it again before or even during the um, performance. Uh, during the performance, it is very dark. And so if you cannot see your plate, that that could be a barrier. Um, also, uh, if you are eating when it's light out and you can't see your food, people are still getting to their seats. So you're often having to stop like what you're eating to get up to let people get through because the seats are bleacher style where we were sitting at least. Yeah. So the majority of those seats are bleacher style. In the very back, it's um, just green grass and you just lay out a blanket. In the very front, if you um, are able to get tickets there, they have tables. And in the very, very front, they have like bigger tables. So um, you can get one of uh, the box seats is what they call them. Um, and you can split it with the group. I've done it many times. Um, it does make a huge difference than putting everything on your lap. You feel very much privileged just having a table in front of you. Um, but I mean, people have a lot of different ways that they enjoy their food at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, if you ever want to do one of these events, these non-leased events, um, look it up on Google. And a lot of people have tricks and tips that they use um, to have a great time themselves. Yes, people who go to the Hollywood Bowl often, I've learned, are called bowlers. <laughs> I would say that it is a very affordable, fun, fancy date. So if you're trying to find something to do um, with somebody you're wooing, I, I think going to these non-lease events is a really good one, especially if you've packed your own food, because you're definitely saving money in doing that. Um, and then if you get the bleacher seats or even the grass, um, you're further away, yes, but live performances and music, um, being able to just enjoy each other's company, um, being outside, uh, th those are things that... Um, I, I think are priceless. And these these tickets are, are within an affordable range, I would say. Yeah. And I think they make it really accessible because the Hollywood Bowl is such a big venue. And um, I think in recent years, I want to say in the last like decade or so, um, they've really been opening it up to more family friendly events and also kind of geeky inspired events. Um, before it used to just be the LA Phil, which is great. Um, the first couple of times I ever went um, was to do... Um, assignments for college um and before that it was concerts that i would attend with my family so i've seen like earth wind and fire there i've seen chicago there like you know a lot of old school um artists but i think as more families are wanting to do these things together and it's becoming more accessible for them they have events just like this the disney animation um concert yes yes so the you have the la um phil the orchestra playing in front of you. Um, you also have giant screens that are playing the animation that they are doing the music to. Um, and then there were even singers. There were Broadway singers um, uh, that were uh, singing the, the Disney princess songs, the villain songs, the songs that we, we sort of know and love. Uh, and um, one of them happened to also voice and sing a very specific character. And it was interesting to watch her sing this song and look at the animation that aligned to her voice. But she's right there in front of me. Uh, but also it's the same person. <laughs> Isn't it so magical? I think 
the way they arranged many of these songs. So even though these Broadway artists aren't the original ones, with that, with her as the exception, um, they did a wonderful job arranging these tracks and mixing them together so that they kind of held true to what they actually sound like. Um, And I think it was very masterful that the way that they did it, just the whole program from start to finish, um, the conductor, Thomas Wilkins, who was the conductor for the night, was even really playful with the singers and they interacted a lot with each other. So um, I have the artist list in front of me, so I'm going to kind of go down and um, list them. Adasa, um, who was in Encanto. She was one of the hosts, along with Susan Egan, who we were talking about, who played Meg in Hercules, was also one of the hosts. Um, James Monroe Eigelhart, he was a special guest, along with Adam G. Levy, Shoba Narayan, Annalise Vanderpool, Cindy Winters, and the biggest guests were the students from the Orange County School of the Arts. Um, I didn't know that they played a huge role in this particular concert and apparently a lot of alumni of Disney are also alumni of the Orange County School of the Arts but that also isn't surprising seeing that Disneyland <laughs> is in Orange <laughs> County. County yes yes and uh with the um Orange County uh School of the Arts we had um one of the uh songs they did was like a Peter Pan medley and they had performers dancing um, as if they were going, getting ready to fly. And then um, they even did uh, a, a Lion King performance. Um, and it was, I just can't wait to be king. And the or- or, I mean, the choir, they were Simba. They were all singing Simba's line versus having like one person be Simba and someone else be Zazu. They, they were Simba and then one person was Zazu. I thought that was really unique. The soloist was Zazu. I was like, okay, a little b-side action like we never highlight Zazu but I mean I think that's wild and they really took creative leaps in the arrangement of these songs and I think it really paid off because it made these classic songs very fresh and um, even though us as longtime Disney fans have heard these songs a million times they were so dynamic in the way that they presented them Yes, and I, I, they were also very mindful. So there was um, uh, the Everybody Wants to Be a Cat by uh, that the song in Aristocats. And there is a very racist scene with the Siamese cat playing the piano. Uh, and they didn't include that. So they were very mindful of like updating um, what they were going to present so that we could honor like this legacy and enjoy this fun music without also having to be harmed by what then was a lot of stereotyping. And I mean, that was part of the, you know, the fact checking and all of this, right? We wanted to make sure that um, Dizzy was aligned to how it's been evolving in the years um, of late. One of the uh, performances that really took me by surprise were the songs that were in um, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I don't remember that movie or the songs, apparently, because I was blown away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they sang God Help the Outcast, which I didn't even know was like in the Disney repertoire at all. All I know is the one that he sings while he's swinging across Notre Dame. And I don't even know what that song is called. (laughs) And I was like, Ariel, I think we need to rewatch this. And I still haven't, but I will get there. Um, It's one of the forgotten ones, but seeing seeing the animation on the big screen and the orchestra play, it was so moving how beautiful it was. It was as if we were in Paris looking at 
you know, at Notre Dame and looking at all the stained glass inside the church. And it was it was very, very beautiful. And I was like, okay, I think this is a moment where a lot of people can rediscover Disney movies because we all know the ones, you know, that have been recently you know, in Vogue, which is Frozen. And I mean, we're always singing stuff from Aladdin and Little Mermaid, but Hunchback and Notre Dame has not been in anybody's mind for a very long time. Yes, yes. I I think that was another I, another reason to go to events like this, to be reminded um, and be reintroduced to things that you'd forgotten um, that that should uh, ha- should take space in your mind. I I think that it was it was so beautiful. There were plenty of moments where I don't know about you, but I was just like tearing up. <laughs> um, I cried many times. I'm already in my feels all the time, all the time. Any single little thing will make me cry. And I was crying from beginning, middle and end. <laughs> so many tears, so many emotions. Um, I did not bring my kids this time because, of course, this was a girl's night. So it was my time to kind of uh, relax and unwind with um, girlfriends. And I think when moms get that little time to themselves, all the emotions just come out. And I was like, oh my God, Moana singing. I'm going to cry now. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I started crying. And then the princess medley happened and I started crying even more. So unless it was like a comedic thing or like a villain's thing, I was probably crying. (laughs) Well, the the comedic thing, um, you were really surprised in the villain's um, medley uh, that, um, who is this? Uh, Annalise Vanderpool. Yes, yes, yes. I know her from That's All Raven because she was Raven's best friend. And I had no idea she was such a talented singer and so just like all around amazing in her delivery, her humor. And she did not hold back. I feel like some of the singers, you know, they have a little bit of finesse when they sing. And especially if they're doing a Disney princess song, they're very elegant and graceful in the way. Oh, no. When she went into the villains medley, she went all out. I think it was the part where she was singing Ursula's parts. Yes, her her poor unfortunate souls that she she had sass. She had like conviction. It was it and we were, you know, we weren't that far back, but we certainly weren't seeing uh, facial expressions. Uh, and yet I could see it on her from the way that it was, the music was coming out. Yeah, she cackled. She cackled the biggest cackle ever. And I was like, wow. It reminds me of uh, back in the day in Fantasmic. You used to see Ursula come across the water. That she was a big animatronic, and I haven't seen like like Ursula come to life like that since then. And I thought that that was so impressive. And you know, kudos to her and her partner. I think that's Adam J. Levy, who was um, the male counterpart in the villains um, little medley that they did. They were such a great duo. Um, they played really well with each other. Their voices were beautiful together. Um, and it was my favorite medley of the whole night because it was so so intense. <laughs> It was it was just lovely, uh, funny. Um, the you know, like you felt the villain energy. I, it was great. Then they did play off of each other well. There were a lot of times where, um, uh, and particularly, I think during the essentially the princess medleys, I, I, I want to say, uh, we would see the um, performers be very strategic and where they're walking and very intricate. Um, this seemed like there might have been some ad lib and some play. It was very 
or they just did a really great job of making look look like it was ad lib and play because it was just very light and fun. They did. They started with Cruella, and then um, uh, they had Scar's song, uh, "Be Prepared." Uh, they had Ursula's song. Uh, Emma, was there another one, or was that it? Mm, I think that was it. Because they didn't sing. Jafar was on there for a minute. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, because it was singing the the part where he's like basically dogging on Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they also sang um uh the mom song from Tangled. Mother Mother knows best. That was the song. She also went ham on that song because that one is like a very Joan Crawford like no wear hangers like that's what I remember it being. I think for me and uh, what I sort of like walked away from the event was one, like like that sense of camaraderie and community, just seeing other people expressing like their Disney selves not at the park, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's just something about like experiencing live music with other people that is just so touching and moving. Uh, it, it's like a synergy that it's hard to describe. It's cathartic. Absolutely. I mean, it's music. Live music for me is something that I do when I just need to let go mentally because um, you can get so immersed in just listening to music and then there's the visuals in front of you um and of course the animation is so beautiful you get taken back to whenever whatever age you were when you saw any of those movies so a lot of emotions come back um but you're enjoying it also in the company of other people who not only enjoy but also might have even worked on the film because we're in los angeles and i really like that it was their little nod to the actors and writers strike and they did it a couple times right yeah, they had everyone stand up if they'd ever been if they'd ever participated in the Disney animation process, um, whether they were um, uh, writers, whether they wrote music, whether whether they were voice actors, and um, you know we all s- clapped for them. And I, I I I don't know if they would have done that had the strike not been going on because this uh, this is a live performance. It's not part of SAG WGA um, and uh, orchestra that that music part. I don't think they're part of it either so this wasn't a struck event for the singers who were i happen to also be actors and broadway actors um, but this event specifically wasn't asking for those talents so they were able to participate but i I think they were showing solidarity without you know overtly saying (laughs) absolutely and i mean the disney studios are historically located in Burbank. I mean, Buena Vista Street is just down the street from where we are. Um, And also the main animation building is right off of the freeway that you take to get to downtown. Um, And maybe they would have done it, but maybe in a different way. And I think honoring those people at the event was really great. The people who were next to us, they had somebody who works for Disney Animation, which is really um, great. Um, Her husband stood for her because she was in the restroom. (laughs) And I all we all clapped him as if he was just like, no, no, it's not me. Um, that was great for him for admitting it. Kudos to you, sir. You will have a long and happy marriage. <laughs> yes, yes. He uh, when she did come from back from the restroom, we found out that uh, the work that she did was uh, translations in multiple languages for the animations, um, and uh, that apparently that is a very difficult thing to do. Which I'm not surprised, but also hadn't been something that I conceptualized. <laughs> Yeah. Um, a super side note, I know last time I was at the parks, um, there I, I think it was the fireworks show that they have recently. Um, it's them singing Let It Go or Is It How Far I'll Go in different languages. Um, it's like a medley that they do, like during the fireworks or during the projections, and it's always like 
them in like Japanese, in Spanish. And I was like, oh, they're really incorporating this into the regular shows, which is, I think, awesome because a lot of people are introduced to Disney films in other languages, such as Spanish, when they re air them on regular channels here. If you go on Disney Plus and you click on Mulan, the animated, not the, the live action, and you put it in Chinese, the person who voices Shang is Jackie Chan, also sings the song. Wow, because as you all know, Jackie Chan is a C-pop artist. <laughs> he sings a lot of songs in Chinese. I believe it's Mandarin that he sings in, right? Yes, uh, and um, uh, it says the it says Chinese in two different options, and then uh, that's written in English, and then it's in characters, which I'm assuming are Mandarin, and then the other characters might be Cantonese, but it's the first option. Uh, yeah. And then the, my other my other very interesting hack is if you go to um, Ant-Man, the first movie, and you go into extras, you can actually uh, pull up Ant-Man with a uh, sign language interpreter who is do, who has is interpreting ASL on the screen um, in, in real time. So that's cool. They haven't done that for any other Marvel movies, just Ant-Man. Not that I have seen, and I don't know why Ant-Man was the one, uh, but yeah, there's there's an interpreter there. They are they're making the facial expressions. They're, they're they're moving really fast. I haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing to see if they switch. Um, so if you go to a live event with an interpreter, they usually have more than one because you start to get tired. You do have to switch back and forth. You have to give each other breaks. But because this is recorded, I'm assuming it's the same interpreter the whole time that they're uh, able to do the, the do the whole movie. <laughs> Yeah. So you're telling me I can list I can watch an ASL interpreter do Michael Pena's whole like yes. story and yes. his like prediction of how yes. the heist is gonna go. I yes. need to see this. Because yes. that is one of my favorite monologues of all time. Yes, yes, it is it is awesome. And you can still put this um uh, subtitles up and you can still have sound up. Uh and so but it's it's a real treat. The interpreter is just in the in the bottom right corner, um, just torso up, just doing interpreting. I think that's really great. I hope Disney does that for a lot of films moving forward um, because that's really helpful for the ASL community to see that. And I think that's impost something super easy to impose on the screen that you're watching. Um, and I hope that more people catch on to that because I think that's really cool. Yeah, it, it is always beautiful to see um, uh, an experience work in your, your native language. And ASL is a language. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of, you know, accommodating people with, you know, where they are, um, Ariel and I um, used a different way to get into the bowl mm -hmm. that day. Um, because me, I've been going for a long time, but I've been going with the with the masses en masse. So I am usually the one trekking and I've done this many times from the subway station all the way up to my seat at the top of the bowl. Yes, I burn a couple calories. Is my hair messed up? Is my makeup messed up? Yeah, probably. Um, so this time, because, you know, we are being kind to ourselves lately and it is our girls day and we knew we were going to take a lot of pictures. Um, she had a really cool way of getting in there um, without having to do all of that. <laughs> yes. So um, as I've mentioned in a couple of uh, uh, podcast episodes, I'm allergic to my own sweat. Uh, and um, I can break out 
and a rash um, and hives on a good day, um, I can start to uh, hyperventilate my throat clothes on a bad day. Uh, and so anytime I can avoid sweating, I try to. Uh, and the Hollywood Bowl does have an ADA line. They, they have accommodations. Um, and so we got in the ADA line, you take the elevator up, uh, you walk around the stairs, um, and then you can take another elevator up to the higher seats or just take a smaller stair. And that's it. it you are basically in and about maybe 10 to 20 minutes. I'd say eight. We, it took us like less than 10 minutes. Um, we were in the tunnel and we did get there fairly on time. I'd say on time. And on time is like having a minute to sit down, prepare all your food, not have to do a bunch of restroom breaks, even though you could if you really wanted to. Um, so we got there. I feel like that was like the the perfect time to get there. Not right on time, not late, not super, super early like everybody. The performance was at eight. And I think we got there at 630 and we probably got to our seats around what, 645? 645, seven, I'd say seven. Um, yeah, so we had time to chill, um, watch everybody roll in. People were finishing up their picnics or even starting them. Um, and like the big line to get in was just forming. If you don't know, there's like a big entrance uh, with uh, all the security um, monitors and all that in the front, like right when you get to the top. And then there's another section where the ADA parking is at the top, top of the hill that will get you to the uppermost seats. Um, and that has less people, but because it's kind of narrow, a long line tends to form. And like once the cars are there, the people are there, the people are queuing up, you kind of don't know where any of the lines are unless you just happen to be there. So it can be a little confusing and it may take you longer to get up there if you don't really know exactly where you're going. Yeah, it could take you about, what, 30 minutes to even at really bad times an hour to try and get inside because they have to also check your bags. And if you packed your own food, you're opening up all those pockets. So there's like uh, a wait um, that you have to go through. It's not just getting in line and showing your ticket. Uh, and um, when it comes to uh, accommodations, like the the first thing is to be aware that they exist. And the second thing is to decide to use them. And I find that with my clients, a lot of the times that there is some feelings of shame around needing accommodations that we always have to work through. And I realize like, am I practicing what I tell my clients? Am I using accommodations when they're available? Or am I saying, no, I don't need that. Someone else probably needs that, but not me. Cause then I'm, I'm, you know, that's ableist thinking and I'm downplaying like me having a good time by just an accommodation accommodation which is reasonable like that's the whole point is it's a reasonable accommodation yes and even if you're bringing young kids I'm not saying like infants or anything of course like you're pretty much slinging them on your back at that point but if you have little kids who all of a sudden don't want to walk anymore which happens with all little kids I think it's really good to know that there are elevators there are you know not just the escalators that you can use so that you and them are also having a good time you're setting them up for a successful evening because you know Sometimes when you bring kids to these things, it's their first foray into going to a big event, sitting down, watching live music. They might get that in small doses in the classroom, but the classroom is such a controlled environment. When you bring them out to concerts, this is kind of setting themselves up to when they're a little bit older and of school age, when they see assemblies or when they see even performances at their school. These are small things to help them with that. And if you are doing your best to make sure you're sane, they will have a really good time too. Well, and you're 
managing a lot of stimulation points. It's not just watching the performer. It's not just the music. It's not just the screens, but it's the person sitting next to you that's chewing. It's like the heat outside or it all of a sudden gets really cold or it's all the twinkling lights that people are wearing. Like all of those are multiple stimuli. It could it could be overwhelming for a little one. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we had a couple instances of, you know, of course, being at the Hollywood Bowl, it's a group setting, right? You're sitting very close with people. They're all on a bench with you. Um, and, you know, me and Ariel, were, we were very friendly. Like, we we engage with the people around us, offer them food. Um, I'm the person at the Dodger game giving portos to everybody if I have a box. Um, and, you know, some people accept that and some people don't, which is totally okay. People are there to um, enjoy the way they want to. But also, um, you do have to take into consideration the type of event that you're in. So um, we've noticed a couple things that we thought were um, very peculiar, very interesting for a Disney concert that was outside because, you know, us, we're coming from a theme park mentality as well, where everyone is welcome. So one of the first things that that I overheard that I uh, at intermission, I talked to um, Steph about was that mom who works for Disney, who had to leave to go to the bathroom because she had to take her daughter to the bathroom uh, because her daughter was becoming overstimulated and very scared. She just sounded so scared. I think the, the music might have been very loud and it was just she didn't know how to filter it. She was scared. At a certain point, they were trying to calm her down. And then the the couple directly behind me basically like yelled at them to just take the take your kid away, right? Why don't you take that kid away? And so out of embarrassment, that's what the, the mother did. Um, and like Steph, I, I, I know that for probably Steph, she probably she didn't hear that. But for me, I was like, well, you're the adult. Why don't you just like tune it out and learn, like literally yeah. learn to calm yourself. Um, and then uh, I know that Steph is aware, like, oh, when my kid fusses, I do take them away to leave, try and calm them down and then come back. There's like a back and forth or like get the wiggles out. Right. But by the second half, she was really trying to enjoy herself and they were really trying to calm her down. And I'd informed Steph of like what these people were say saying and then continued to say into the next half. And it was like irritating the both of us because we we're like, you're in a group setting. You are listening to Disney music. You are also the adult who could be able to like manage your emotions. The lack of compassion you're giving to like your fellows. It was shocking. Yeah, I think that I was probably singing so loud either in my head or out loud that I didn't hear this. Um, but also I knew that it was happening around me, but because I'm a mother myself and my kids have wild out in many situations, I was being the adult and I was tuning it out and just focusing on the performance. And they were directly next to me. The The kid was actually next to me at one point and she was really trying her best to deal with the really low lights. It was dark outside. There's a lot of different sounds that's happening. People are clapping, people are singing. Um, and and she may not be experiencing those things every single day in her normal life, which is normal. And um, I think she was around three years old, which is the same age as my son. And he is a busybody. Like, he needs to be up. He needs to get around. Um, they had multiple family members try to um, soothe her, um, asking, you know, trying to engage her because she knew some of the characters and it was working. And I think, you know, they just needed time. But I mean, knowing what that mom has been through and probably was going through at that time, it's as if time doesn't really matter and you need a, a very immediate response 
from your child, but that is not really a realistic expectation of them because developmentally, they are trying to learn and process these things too. Um, you're bringing a toddler into a big event like this, which should be a safe space because it is a group setting. It's a Disney concert. These are characters that they are familiar with and getting to be familiar with. And I think, you know, the musicality of it also is engaging. So even if you're not a child, you are also singing in your head. And I had some friends who were on the other side of the bowl that I talked to after the event. Um, we we realized that we were at the same event. We didn't even say hi to each other. Or we couldn't even see each other because there's a million <laughs> that, people there. I was like, that's how big the bowl is. <laughs> that's how big the bowl is. <laughs> you don't find um, out other people you knew were there until after you check the stories. <laughs> yes, until the Instagram stories. Yep. And they are, you know, our age and they were all going out as girlfriends too. And they were simply just singing along and they were getting shushed. And I'm like, I can't believe that, you know, I think this is something that is engaging for both adults, kids, um, the orchestra, the kids who are performing. Any sort of participation, I don't think, would have diminished their performance because the speakers are so loud, the visuals are so big, um, and I think participating probably would have just contributed to the musical and the magical atmosphere of the entire concert. Yes, and I, I think it should be noted that this is very different than going to like a play. Like if you saw Beauty and the Beast in the play and you're there to see the Broadway actors and you don't want to hear the person next to you, there's a different decorum and expectation of being quiet, being present, um, not engaging like on your phone, not chewing or eating food versus the Hollywood Bowl being outside expansive, the um, uh, many moments of like camaraderie and communication, the the fact that you're supposed to feel immersed in the experience. Uh, and so, um, yeah, just just shocking. I, I think, again, more more odd, odd behavior. I, I would expect that if I was like at um, at a concert hall I, and I, I would I would expect um, uh, a specific level of like professionalism or your outdoor face, however you want to say it. Um, and I think can really really damper the experience. Um, I, I've, I'm I not being a parent, but felt so bad that this like mother had to leave, um, not only because she was not enjoying it, but also she freaking works for the company. Like <laughs> here there is a moment to like celebrate her and her work. And it's like, oh no, you don't get to do that um, because uh, you have a child that I bet if everyone have just let them, her take care of the daughter right away there she wouldn't have been as scared but because of the energy people were giving towards that child i'm sure the mom felt it and of course her daughter felt it right your kids your kids know when you're scared and frustrated <laughs> a high level of anxiety uh, i mean all around it's kind of like you know being on a plane and your kid is just dealing with the turbulence um and don't get us wrong if this was a solely la philharmonic concert with them playing Dvorak and, you know, a specific symphony, the decorum is obviously different. Like this is a classical performance. This is akin to being at the Walt Disney Concert Hall where no phones are allowed. You are not, you know, able to speak to somebody unless it's intermission. Those things still hold true if you're at the Hollywood Bowl for that specific thing. However, you're at a Disney concert. <laughs> we are watching cartoons. Um, 
it it is interactive. They even encourage you to sing along. I think that was, you know, did they miss that? I'm not sure, but I don't know because they they asked the audience to sing along for the big uh, Elsa number. So <laughs> I. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. No, I understand. Yeah. I mean, again, these are things to, um, to look out for if you are at a group event such as this. Um, I think managing expectations is what we're always talking about, but you know, some things are out of your control. And I think the, the least we could do is understand them from our perspective. I mean, Ariel even offered her goldfish if she wanted some and she took them and, you know, she was able to enjoy, um, the sorcerer's apprentice a little bit, I think. And, you know, she, she was able to calm down. I think she just needed time. And unfortunately, some people around were not willing to give them that time, even though they could have probably given it and it would have been for the betterment of everybody around us. <laughs> yes. And I, I think the other thing is there is always more than one way you can like resolve a problem. If it was really disrupting your experience, I know the ushers would have accommodated you a different seat like that. That would have been an option had you taken it like, hey, it's just really taking us out of the um, the mood. It, it, you know, everyone else seems to be fine, but we're not. What are other seats that could be available? I, I honestly do not think that the Hollywood Bowl would have been like, no, Nope, you got to stay right there. <laughs> <laughs> or if they did, they probably would have set the precedent of, hey, everybody is trying to enjoy it, especially the children. So, I mean, even people, let's say, who were, there might have been somebody who had autism or had an auditory processing thing, and they're trying to enjoy it too. It might not even have been a child. And, you know, we would have would gladly have accommodated them as well. So maybe the staff would have been like, you know, um, unfortunately, these are the realities of having a public event and, you know, try your best to be an adult and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, people be people in. <laughs> people be people in. This is true, my friend. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was such a beautiful performance. It was so fun. It did not feel like as long as it probably was because we were so engaged. Um, I think it was great that they just focused on the animation. So even though there wasn't any Pixar, there wasn't any Marvel or Star Wars, it made you hone in on the basics of what makes Disney so enjoyable, which is, you know, storytelling and you know the emotions that are evoked by those stories and reintroducing things that we haven't seen in a really long time um refresh it made everything so fresh um and you know it it was it was just nostalgic and great now before we end i'm curious for you uh as a teacher what uh what does this event like make you think of or like how how would you find yourself using something like this in the classroom or outside i mean i think just teaching a lesson or even introducing the different ways that we enjoy music. Um, not everybody has a music program. I know that was one of the first things that got cut when all the budget cuts happened long, long ago. Um, so even as just like a regular general classroom teacher, if you have a little bit of time to introduce music, this is a great way to do it. Um, it's not necessarily just soundtracks. These are sing-along songs. These are things that you can challenge their um, comprehension. You can challenge their reading, their um, really their processing of their emotions. This could be a social emotional thing. There's so many great um, aspects to using music and animation in your everyday lessons um, and encouraging families to go to um, 
events like this, I think is a really good way to tie in community as well. Um, I would have loved to seen, you know, people from the same school going to something like this or, you know, going to outdoor concerts, doing, you know, fundraising and things like that for kids who might not have the opportunity to go to these concerts to maybe fundraise for them um, to experience something special that they might not have. Um, And I know we have a lot of people in Los Angeles who um, have kids that not only attend public schools, but they also work for places like Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal. Um, So really, you can tackle it from a lot of different ways, from connecting community, connecting um, arts and creative um, performances. And also, we had children on stage. Yes, yes. (laughs) So if you have kids who love to sing, who want to pursue performing arts, not only take them to things like this, but also say, hey, if you want to do this one day, you absolutely can. You can use this and make a career out of this because that is absolutely possible diversity is always needed um they highlighted diversity in a really great way i think in um the choices and music selections and i think kids have so much more to learn from attending events like this if you know they're able to and again going back to what that little girl experienced she might have taken something different from that had the environment been different so really you could use this as like a teachable moment for you know a a young person um, who wants to be more connected to the things that they listen and um and enjoy yes yes and i i think for me um uh so some of you may know uh that uh, and we learned this, I guess, from Wreck-It Ralph, too, that Disney princesses have an I want song where they essentially pour their heart out to like the thing that they dream of and, and wish for the most. And um, an intervention that I've done in session with clients is we have made our own I want songs. And what they have done is they've just listed out all the things that they sort of like hope for. And then we put it in a chat GPT and ask chat GPT to make an I want song. Um, that's that's a, a Disney princess I want song. And I know like AI is this big hot an issue and it's taking over the world or whatever nonsense but um uh in that case they aren't really making a song it's really more of like a poem and it's using the words of the things that they want but i've had a lot of clients who've like put that on their mirror as like their their aspirational goals and it's been a way to just uh incorporate disney in a very unique way that is uh um tailored to the individual versus like you know, oh, that reminds me of this character and their experience. It's like, oh, now you get to be sort of like the princess and you get to sing your I want song and see it come to fruition. That's kind of like an auditory vision board. I like that. That's super cool. I really, really like that. Um, I like middle schoolers can do that. I think that's really cool. (laughs) Although we have, you know, middle schoolers, high school, even fifth graders, I think that'd be something that I'm going to suggest to my friends. Um, But I mean, I think... All together, this was such an enjoyable event. I hope they do it again in the future. Maybe even just a specific Pixar one would be really cool to hear um, a lot of their music because their music is so different from, I think, the animation, uh, but also special in their own way. That is it. Um, we we went pretty deep into this um, and we had a lot of feelings, but you know, as Disney movies do, they evoked a lot of emotion from us. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, if you went to this experience or some other live performance uh, for Disney music, go ahead and tweet at us at happiestpodgt or DM us on the Instagram at happiestpodgt. Um, Wait, do and- we call it tweets still? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. Don't uh, be sorry. That is not your fault. <laughs> I don't like that whatsoever. 
Yeah, I'm not... I'm still uh, sticking with Tweet uh, because no one has given up an alternative uh, and I do not like the X. I don't, whatever. So yeah, tweet at us. <laughs> <laughs> tweet at us. And also Ariel did a really great write-up um, on our website as well. And she included all of our fun pictures um, and uh, we had a jolly old time. We, we really tried. Um, even though we were all humid and frizzy at the end of the night, it was all good. We took our cute pictures and it was fine. Um, so if you had a great experience, go ahead and message us. Uh, we had a lot of fun and hopefully we'll see you at the next event. Yeah. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>